guns and not robots, but <laughs> no, robots. <not> robots. <laughs> it's robots. Robots. <laughs> and there's only one kind of robot. It's a killer robot. It, you know. <laughs> So I mean, the Kickstarter is going, and it looks like you're you're doing pretty safe. You're not. Uh, you are definitely well funded. Oh yeah, it's not blowing the, like the doors off of uh, the the industry or anything. But um, it's we can It's doing. Yeah, we can't all be Ben Lawrence. We we can't. Oh my god. My god. <laughs> so he, he's fantastic, is he not? He is. You know, it's just kind of amazing somebody can just be that successful just being themselves. <laughs> I mean his stuff, man. I uh, when 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 I got those zines in, I was just I was floored. I I had to make like an immediate Twitter Twitter uh, explosion about it. I was like, oh my god, has anybody else read this? And they're like, yes, we have all read this. <laughs> like, why are you so late to the party? <laughs> yeah, he's definitely a very fun guy. Um, I actually I got an interview with him. If you want to go way back in the archives, uh, you know, he's just a, he's a great guy. And I think that's the other thing is, is he's the, um, he's professor at the, well, I say professor, he's also like a chair of something at the University of Chicago. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I mean, so here we got a hobby where we can have a wide range of people. We all get along and we all love each other's stuff. And it's really kind of astounding uh, to me that there could be a community such like this. Oh yeah, like um, like you see it whenever you go to a con, like a you know, especially like a like a, um, a smaller con, like uh, like North Texas, uh, the North Texas RPG yeah. con. You'll really see a wide range. Like on you know, you'll go to the bar and you're sitting next to oh here's there's three millionaires, but then you go to another table and it's just like you know this this guy just did a punk zine, and then this is this guy over here he's doing his you know he's doing his first Kickstarter, and then oh hey this guy over here he's done eighty you know he's he's got eighty plus credits you know, uh, writing for, you know, the frogs and troll lords and all, you know, all these different folks. And you're like, this is a really diverse group of people. There are doctors here, lawyers, but then, you know, you know, this guy, um, you know, is just, you know, um, doing something else. Yeah. So it's just, just, you've got a wide, crazy array of, of, of skills. Yeah. And life experiences and, you know, probably political views. It's, It's just amazing that probably in the other context, we probably would ignore or not like each other. But yet, because of, of you know, a mutual love for role-playing games, we all can actually, you know, you know, for the most part, I know there's probably exceptions, but we can all kind of get along. You know what I mean? No, no, I, I hear you. I know, absolutely. So what's your role-playing uh, experience? What's What started this whole journey? You know, if I had to, like, go back and look at my role-playing DNA – um i'll start with the red box um i found that there was like an ad in the back of like an old Starlog or fangoria or, oh, or yeah. one of those old you know 80s uh, early 80s mags um and there was a like an ad for you know for the you know for the uh miniatures catalog in there so i sent away for the free miniatures catalog and i get it and then i realize oh these aren't toys they're little miniatures, but then in the back of that catalog, there is a, a thing where you can order the game, you know, you can order the red box. So I ordered the red box and ended up getting it, you know, mowing lawns, to, you know, to, to, to get that, to get that, that, the, whatever it was, I don't know, $19 or $12 or, you know, whatever it cost. And, um, I got it and I was just blown away. You know, there's, you know, all the, from the art to the, you know, the whole premise of, of role-playing, um, 
And then shortly after that, I don't know shortly, but uh, maybe a year or two after that, um, there was a yard sale down the the street from my house and um, the guy's son had passed away and um, he had a whole bunch of, of uh, like, I remember there was the monster manual and there was something else, something like third party. I don't remember what it was, but it was a monster manual. That's what really zeroed me in. Like, it was like, you know, like when you're tunnel vision, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I, just from opening the first pages and seeing the black pudding and the beholder and the on keg, you know, all these crazy and going through and the dragons and the giants and the demons, devil, all that stuff. I was just hooked from then on straight up hooked. But living in a small town in Arkansas, um, and a very religious town, I there was no way for me to get any of this stuff except for like if I order, you know, order, you know, uh, ordered uh, uh, from the same place that I got the, you know, the miniatures and the and the red box. So um, I didn't really get any kind of like new material until I was in my teens. And then there was, you know, I started to be able to go to, you know, like bigger cities like Hot Springs and Little Rock, you know, this, they're not really big cities, but right. Big, <laughs> for, our, big for our, yeah, big for Arkansas, <laughs> big for Arkansas. So I was finally able to start putting things together and, um, you know, get an actual, you know, game group that was, you know, more than just a couple of my, of my buddies on a, on a weekend we played and there were other DMS and, um, yeah, man, I just, from there, it just, it just took off. So were you playing at this time? Did you just stick with D&D? Were you playing other games? How's that going? So I only played D&D. And, it, and I had no con- – this is another thing. I had no concept between um, the Red Box and uh, First Edition. I, I would just – you know, I, the rules didn't really make sense. Like, oh, hey, why is – what is this? And, you know, why I had no player's handbook. I had no Dungeon Master's Guide. I just had the, the Red Box and the the uh, – the monster manual for the longest time so i'm trying to make sense of the two so i'm just making up crap you know on the fly and i've got one set of dice you know <laughs> so you know we're trying to figure yeah you know, we're passing the dice back and forth amongst us trying to figure it out um but then again in my teens was able to kind of get out more and that's when i discovered um gamma world and we started playing champions was another yeah. one. Oh yeah um chill which was the, the yeah. old uh, yeah you remember okay um and then i want to say cyberpunk that was another one Cyberpunk 2020 that was another one that we played um there kind of towards the end of my high school experience we started playing that okay yeah i've never played the cyberpunk uh, but but we played a little bit of chill and definitely played gamma world among other things we would try games like we tried traveler one time um because a kid had moved into our into our, our neighborhood who, whose dad had been in the military and he had a bunch of stuff like he had Arduin, which is how I, I, I ended up finding out about Arduin, fell in love with that. Like Arduin was this huge part of my, my RPG uh, DNA, but we tried traveler and it just, we couldn't kind of figure out how to make it work. Not really, really well. I think someone's character died in cre- during creation. Yeah. yeah. And we were, <laughs> we were like, ah, I don't know how this is going to work. So but, that, um, well, that's kind of interesting. So I guess the question, so, so, so was it just the, the mechanics of the game and of character creation that squelched it? Or was it the idea that you kind of had to come up with different kinds of, I mean, the adventures and travelers much different than D and D or gamble. Right. Was it that it was a much more radical, I don't want to say mature game, but kind of a sense it, 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 it wasn't strictly about combat. Was that what think turned you off or what? 
Yeah. So at that age, you know, we were just, you know, it was, it was all about going to the dungeon, you know, loot, looting the, you know, killing the monsters, taking all their cool magic crap, you know, yeah. it was a lot, it was a lot of that, but you know, th- but there were storylines too. Like we would have, like we had really long ongoing campaigns all through my, you know, teenage years. Uh, we played, did, did that a lot with, um, with Gamma World too. That's why I have such a, a, a sweet, um, such a, uh, like a, a sweet spot for like uh, mutant crawl classics and all of Jim Wampler's uh, scientific barbarian stuff. I, I, I love all that stuff so much because of, you know, having, having loved um, uh, Gamma world when I was younger. And of course he's a great writer. So, um, but uh, the, the, as far as like the, the traveler thing goes, I would approach it much differently now, obviously, but back then we just wanted to, to <laughs> storm the dungeon and, you know, kill monsters. Yeah, I mean, we kind of ate that up, and I'm, you know, looking back, I'm not sure exactly why it was. I mean, we definitely played a lot of different things, but I'm not sure. But it did click for us. But I can't. But I don't know why. But um, yeah, we tried playing Arduin too, and and we couldn't figure out the rules. But we loved the books. Like we loved so much about like you know all the the, the cool little uh, crunchy bits of lore. And uh, the NPCs and the magic was just bonkers, you know, just craziness. Um, but the only other one I can think of that we just, I, I ended up just hating it because the, the rules were terrible, was um, Moro Project. Do you remember that game? Oh, yeah. We played the daylights out of that, too. Look, I love the setting. I love the idea of yeah. Moro Project. Like, I love the fact that you yeah. wake up and it's like and you're in like this post-apocalyptic world. It's perfect. It's wonderful. Except <laughs> those rules, I, we were playing and I was, I was tearing my hair out. I had hair at the time and I was tearing my hair out thinking about uh, the, how awful these rules were. And I always thought, man, if somebody could get more project and just, just use a different set of rules, I'd just be gangbusters, man. It would be such a great system. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. Um, we, but for some reason we liked the rules. I don't know why. I really don't know why it seemed like we got stuck in systems that were just, a, I don't want to say a waste of time. That's not the word I'm looking for. They're very inefficient, like uh, the roll master. I mean, that just, mm-hmm. it's just like you spend so much time rolling on charts, <laughs> yep. up, you know, rather than actually doing stuff. Same thing with moral project. It's just like, you know, energy factors and you get hit. Oh, yeah. Did you hear in shock? Did you, are you bleeding? You know, and, we never kept track of radiation, but I think what I did appreciate about the game is it was deadly. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, it was. <laughs> we we played one where there was uh, we're up in Wisconsin, one of the modules, and you're with a, a Native American tribe, and uh, they take you. The guy would go out spear hunting bear, and so we took our spears. And the guys like, there's no way, so we took a forty five with them. We met a bear and it was all rah, 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 rah. And people were going down left and right. And yeah, was, yeah, it's like, yeah, this isn't D&D. You don't just go out and poke sharp sticks at large bears. It's just, you know, it doesn't end well. Yeah, I think the first, uh, where a lot, a lot of folks of, of, of our age learned that rule or learned that lesson was uh, with Boot Hill. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. The, com- the gun combat in Boot Hill is so deadly. You know, you, you know, one of, one wrong turn and you're just dead, you know? <laughs> so we played a little bit. I think they didn't really have much as far as adventures. It was almost like it was just intended to be a gun. What was it? Was there adventures for it? Oh, I have no idea. Um, the only time that we ever played Boot Hill was, was because our DM was looking in the back of um, 
the back of the Dungeon Master's Guide, the, the, for, and it had the conversions, you know, where yeah, yeah. Like you could step, you could step through a portal or something, and you would be in the old west. And he was like, "That's a great idea." So we played a couple <laughs> games that way, um, and promptly lost most of our characters, um, you know, from from gunfights. But um, yeah, that's 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 my memory of Boot Hill. Although I love the whole Wild West, especially the Weird West. Like if there's any, you know, like the Jonah Hex Deadlands. Yeah, yeah. Sort of thing. I loved um, Kinzer and Company's uh, Aces and Eights. Was I thought it was a wonderful system. Jolly Blackburn and all those guys, they just nailed it. You know exactly what 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 you would want out of a Western role playing game. So when you played Champions or the Hero System, was it strictly superheroes, or did you did you delve into other genres with it? No. So the guy, um, so we had a guy move down from Ohio, I want to say my junior year. And he, and he was really the guy that kind of opened my eyes to, Oh my gosh, there's all these other game systems. I didn't even know existed. And he was our, cha- our champions, uh, game master. And he had, uh, he would do superhero stuff. He'd do a little bit of horror, but he, he really liked the, the, the fantasy stuff for that. Yeah. And we played quite a, we played quite a bit of that and it did, it, it the rules were pretty good. You know, as far as for like, if you want to really make a custom character, because it was hard to customize as far as the rules go or like the little tweaks and stuff that, that you would see later on in like uh, 3.5 and riffs and things like that. You know, um, those early, um, uh, I forget what the, the, the fantasy versions of Fantasy Master or whatever the Champions one was, but was the, those, those Fantasy rules. Hero. Fantasy Hero. That's what it was. That's right. Um, but yeah, those those are great rules. Um, you still love love playing them. You can really customize. That, that was really a big plus for me. Yeah, and I think what also worked great was the uh, they added stun and they had the uh, and then had body. They're two separate things. So you could, yeah. based on the weapons you choose and the direction you went, you you wouldn't always. Most of the time, people would be knocked out before they were killed. Yeah, yeah. Well, help that 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 helped the, the length of play a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <it did. laughs> You know, because in, in you know in these days, you know, when you're playing something like DCC or um, you know MCC, you're just I mean, you're expecting that uh, you're pr- you're probably going to die, you know. But it's the experience of playing. But for me back then, it was like I wanted to build these characters, and you know, I want to create these long lasting you know um, stories and all this stuff. Um, but you know, now like when I play DCC, like I'm just I just want to have fun. Cause it's that, that system is so fun, you know, the, especially the magic system in DCC, just so insanely uh, uh, entertaining. Um, but you, you didn't get that back, you know, you didn't get that, sp- that sp- specific feel back in those days. So when you're playing something like uh, champions or fantasy hero, the, um, the stun and body that, that really did um, help to prolong play. And maybe so that you could make it to the, ne- <laughs> to the next day, you know, right yeah it's just uh it is kind of interesting how those different mechanics influenced uh so much of the flavor of the game in ways that i think have i don't know that anybody else has really done stuns since then like champions did it there i i still think it still stays pretty but also i think the way the way they use the six siders for both damage and killing and normal was both very smart but also i didn't think about it's pretty clunky too well, sure. I mean, there's problems in all those systems. <laughs> I think the real genius of champions was the fact that you could, uh, you could really make any character. Like if you had an idea, you could put it right down there. You could put it right on the, on the, on the paper. 
Um, and you know, with enough points <laughs> and enough disadvantages, you could uh, you could bring that character to life. You know. Yeah, it was interesting how people on the heroes bulleted board would 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 uh, there was a whole like very long thread where people would just build like objects, but sure. they would use it strictly for using the powers that was in 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 the hero system. So, you know, a sink, a, a comb. I mean, you could just you could go on and on. You could you could spend so much time standing out a ladder if you wanted to. You know. You know, it's <laughs> like, is it flight limited? Is it stretching? Is it, you know, I mean, no, no, that's for sure, thing. for sure. And that's what's kind of interesting in that there's multiple ways of skinning the same, you know, getting the same thing because the powers weren't defined strictly. They were kind of defined as more of effects. And then you had to kind of use those effects to build whatever it is you were wanting to do. Well, you know, the, the, sometimes there's a, a little bit of unnecessary um, complications to the rules, <laughs> extra stuff. <laughs> But I found that as as I get older, I just I really like simpler games. Me too. You know? Me too. I you know I, I went all you know I, I went all the way back to uh, BX. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the you know, first edition. You know, like when I when I do cons, like the games I run, they're almost always first edition because you know the, that I, I love that that uh, lethality, but at the same time, I kind of like that first edition feel where you know like. Uh, you know, the, the stat block is not two pages long for a you know a demon or something. You know, it's um, it's just kind of, kind of a it's not only is it nostalgic to me, but it's just easier to keep track of, and um, I don't have to invest so much time. You know, yeah, and I think that's probably you know, I I, I don't want to just broadly you know you know put the swath, but I think you know when we were younger, man, we could we could spend the time to, and we. Sure. Love spend the time we could you know fact we we're trying to figure out vectors with traveler and it's just ridiculous you know what i mean and so but so it's like no i really i don't want to spend two hours doing combat i want it to be fun and engaging but if i can get it done in 20 minutes that's perfect it's like, no yeah no absolutely I, again I, I keep bringing up dcc but that that is another um um genius part of that game there's so many little little things that they did right with that um but the the ease of character creation and the ease of combat it's all it's all very easy so when you lose when you're doing a funnel and you lose three characters you, you don't care yeah you know you just you're just trying to make it to the end with one you know yeah i think my goal for uh so i'm going to at least the plan on going to game hall conned by the by the tickets but uh is i think i'm gonna try some mutant crawl not mutant crawl classics but from uh dungeon crawl classics i think that's probably gonna be on my checklist yeah, and listen, you know, there's a lot of talented guys that will be running that at that, that specific, you know, specifically at that convention. So that's a good one to go to to, uh, you know, to kind of kind of get in on the ground floor and, and learn the basics because you know, there nobody's putting out more adventures than those guys. You know, there's I mean, there's just every every month there's a, you know there's if if it's not from Goodman, you know, it's all these people who are using the license. So it's just constant stuff coming out. And some of these, some of the DMs are, they're really good. You know, our, I guess judges, I should say, because, because it's uh it's DCC, but some of the guys running the games, they're just outstanding, you know, and you'll have experiences that you don't, because of the mighty deeds and because of the, of, of the way magic works, you'll have a completely different experience than you would have had you said, said, have you, had you played, um, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, whatever, you know, not that it's any better or worse, right. it's just different. And uh, it brings, it, I don't know, uh, I heard uh, 
somebody say one time that it, it, it feels like 1979 all over again, you know, <laughs> playing yeah. DCC. So well, I agree. And I think the thing too is, I mean, it, especially if it can add, I think with magic, the idea is that your spell could either go off normally or it could becoming more powerful or it could turn into something really ugly that you really don't want. And that sure. it's kind and of a last resort. It's like, you only do that when you need, okay, get the mage out. The situation's bad. <laughs> oh, there's so many variables. Like every, every, uh, every spell has its own, you know, table of variables, you know, yeah. where things could, could go really awesome or the things could go really wrong. Um, and then there's all these little, you know, all these little, uh, different things on top of all that that could happen. You know, how does this react with that? It's just, it's just a very cool system. Well, um, I think what I like about it, cause I, I'm not necessarily a big uh, fantasy guy. Um, is i don't i think magic just becomes too common it just it just it, i don't find it very appealing but i think with dungeon crawl classics it's like this is not tame this magic's not tame no that's a big part of it actually yeah and, yeah the, so, of the aesthetic yeah yeah so to me i dig that it's just like that makes a lot more uh makes it much more interesting than just magic being just okay it's just a i, I do this thing and balls of fire you know shoot and hit the sky and it's you know predictable every time uh, you know another key thing to remember about about them too is that they're not putting out fantasy they're putting out weird fantasy yeah they're, they're i mean straight out of appendix in they're putting out stuff that's like you know right out of the moorcock or some of howard's like really weird tales or salazny or um they just did that uh, jack vance um uh, not fallen earth but um um what's it called um i'm just <laughs> my, my, my dehydrated brain is a uh, blinking but um um anyways that 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 awesome jack vance property with the iron stones the uh the uh yeah because uh, pilgrim press had it had the license so they i wonder how that worked out it was uh robin d laws is the one that ran hmm. the previous dying earth dying earth that's it yeah i, I had to not think about it to to, to get it yes <laughs> <laughs> it's like you you planted the the seed of it was wrong and i couldn't get that out of my head it's like okay i gotta stop thinking about it. but yeah dying earth i never i've never read the books they, they come very well i mean it seemed like pretty well celebrated and yeah they have a lot a lot in common with uh with kind of the the dna of dnd too you know there's little things in there the way the magic is structured in in like the early editions of dnd is kind of the way that it's structured in the yeah. books of course, there's all kinds of little things, you know, the gate spells and ion stones and just little things, you know, that you can tell. Like they saw that they were like, oh, that, that would be, that would be cool in the game. And that's how we got it. You know, yeah. that's commonplace now. But, you know, I, I read those books in high school and uh, I didn't really forget about them. They always kind of lurked in the back of my subconscious. But then when I saw the Kickstarter, it was like, oh, I'm immediately backing this, you know, like <laughs> it's um this I'm, I, after reading the description, I was like, I'm all in. Like this, this sounds so cool. Yeah, I I toyed with the idea. I just I don't have I don't have. Um, did it come with its own set of rules so you didn't need Dungeon Crawl Classics? Do you know? I, I don't know. No, I mean it, it's it has, it's not out yet. So you know, I thought I could remember it had a set of books where you could just run it without the Dungeon Crawl Classics or if you needed it. So I wasn't sure if I needed to invest in it. And the other thing, it's just like. It's just, there's just so much stuff out there and I'm still getting stuff coming in from Zine Quest. I'm like, I sure. <laughs> maybe I'll slow down a little bit. <laughs> no, say, I, I, matter of fact, I got something the other day. I completely forgotten that I had backed it and it showed up and I was like, oh, oh yeah. 
<laughs> I forgot about <laughs> this. Because you know, you Zine Quest rolls around and everything, you know, the price tags are usually pretty, pretty acceptable. And there's just so much cool stuff floating around out there. So you just you just start nailing it, you know, and then before you know it, you're like 15 zines in, and you're like, oh my God, <laughs> what, yeah, what yeah. we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty nuts. I because I also went through uh I had a kick I got a um was kickstarting at the time and after that after mine ended I was so like I was so overwhelmed like with the intensity of it all I just I couldn't take it anymore I couldn't even look at Kickstarter after for probably a couple of months afterwards without having some well, I don't blame of, you. yeah it's just like man <laughs> I just yeah it'll, it'll that, the, yeah, listen if, if you're gonna do Kickstarters man it's a uh, I don't, I mean, I don't want to deter anybody from doing it, but like there's, it's the learning curve is, is pretty sharp. You know, uh, you don't want to, you know, if, if you mess up just a little bit, you could end up living in your car, outside <laughs> the <hockey ball>. you know, <laughs> you know, it's one yeah. of those deals where, uh, you really got to be careful and get the advice of, of, of a lot of, you know, of people who have done it before, which I, I was lucky enough to have, have quite, quite a few mentors before I started, uh, one in particular, uh, Casey Christopherson, he's a writer for an artist for um, the Frogs and Necromancer, a bunch of people, you know, uh, Troll Lord Games. He's, he's a ton of credits, um, but he really kind of laid out the process for me and uh, said, this is, you know, don't do this, do this. And if he yeah. didn't know the answer to the question, he would he would um, put me in contact with somebody who did, you know, um, so he was, you know, pretty much everything that I've I've, I've done since he's. You know, it's, it's because he was so kind, you know, to, to, to take a moment, you know, because a lot of people don't, but just to take a moment and, and say, hey, listen, let me kind of guide you through this. Like, this is kind of like, this is, I'm not going to tell you how to write a module, but this is how I do it. Right. You t- take or leave whatever you want to. And, um, you know, he kind of, he kind of broke things down for me and, and opened doors for me that the way that they had been opened for him, you know, 20 years ago. So, um yeah, I was real grateful then, and I, I we remain very, very close friends to this day. Um, he's he's a, gr- a great dude, and uh, I wouldn't even have a, a, a little indie publishing company without you know if it hadn't been for him being kind, you know. So, yeah, and I think that's what's kind of nice, even when you're dealing with even the professionals, even the professionals that are we'll say even tiers up levels wise are oh yeah it's like they're all fans like you can go talk to ed greenwood at green at game hall con and he's just as kind as generous with his time is is like i i can't believe you know i'm not necessarily a big ed greenwood fan um but i did i'm not okay i'm not a forgotten realms i don't read his books but i did talk to him for a little bit i just was surprised as how tongue-tied i was dealing with this guy <laughs> and he is one of the kindest gentlest people and energetic at that age i it just it, yeah. was, it was pretty overwhelming just what a what a nice person he was i always uh i've been saying this for, for a couple of years now um i'm trying to think of who who said it to me skeeter green um said to me he goes we're all just different versions of the same guy <laughs> so it's like you know we're, we all have the same interests we're all in, in, in basically the same stuff so when you meet people at a con it's kind of you know as long as you're um like I said, you don't get too tongue tied. Uh, it's it's not a it's it's not tough to to strike up that conversation uh, and find some common ground. I mean, it really isn't. Um, you know, different people will approach things differently, but I mean, I find anybody who who walks by the booth or uh, I'm I'm sitting down the game with somebody, I can f- probably find 
plenty of uh, common ground with that person. We we've all we, we we've all been through White Plume Mountain, or right, uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we, we we've all at at some point have have shared experiences. So, well, I was even talking to Tim Shorts the other day. I said, you know, about people being on you know on RPG Rams. I said, like every person, it's like everybody I've on, I've I've enjoyed, and it's just like, and it's like everybody's been like friends. We just don't know it yet. And I think that's kind yeah. of the same thing. It's like, we're all friends. We just haven't taken the time to actually get to know each other. No, no, for sure, man. For sure. And listen, I, I still, I still get a little tongue tied uh, when I get around certain people whose work I respect, yeah. you know, I, I don't know them, but I know their work. Um, yeah. So that happens to me too, man. <laughs> like I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll start talking to some, I, I had a, I had an incident, not an incident, but a, an instance at, um, North Texas back in June where, um, I was talking to somebody that I, I, um, I really respect their work and <laughs> I just kind of, uh, was babbling, you know, cause I was just so excited <laughs> yeah. to talk to them, you know? Yeah. And I, I at, at one point I, I, I kind of looked over at the other guy and he was looking at me like, ah, you, are you all right? You know, <laughs> yeah. <of> those deals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's funny. It's fun. And I think that's what's what's it's still a wonderful thing. I mean, even um, you know, even like the large players, they still they still enjoy they still, still enjoy playing games and running games. And it's just, you know, it's probably not too many hobbies quite like this. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. How many conventions can you go to? And like I, I again, you know, you sit down at a table and you're gaming with um you know, a 62 year old mother of four, um, you know, this, this guy, he's, uh, you know, him and his kid are sitting down to play for the first time. You know, this guy, he's been gaming for, you know, since he was, you know, seven years old. Yeah. And then, you know, this, this guy over here, he, you know, he, he doesn't know any addition, but fifth. Yeah. And you're like, this is an eclectic group, but it could happen. You know, yeah. like, yeah, I love it. Right. Cause I think we're all open. And I think it's to me, what, what, What's interesting about role-playing games is there's kind of a, the social structure is already set. We already know what we're going to do. We know what we're going to talk about, you know, where if you're just like randomly just sitting with some person, it's hard to know what to talk about, but here it's like, and 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 with with all that structure put in place, you can easily become more relaxed around people and, you know, and depending how the game goes, be, you know, more trusting of of those people as well. Listen, I had a hard and fast rule for, uh, a lot of years where I didn't want to, I didn't want to sit down to play D and D with anybody or, or spend a night gaming. Um, if I didn't want to go to the movies with them, you know, if I wasn't willing to go to, to sit, to sit, to sit, to go to a movie and sit down for two hours with you, there's no way I was going to sit down for four to eight hours to play, you know, some long scenario. Um, and all that changed when I started going to cons, I was like, Oh, yeah, you can do that. Like it's, it's, it's a fixed amount of time. Yeah. We are, like you said, you already know the social structure. Everything's kind of, you know, you, you know, everybody knows where this stand. There's no posturing. Let's just sit down and toss some dice and have some fun. Um, so that changed my whole dynamic when it comes to um, role-playing. Yeah. And I think over the time I've started to realize this, I think how important it is or could be, you know, and I think that, you know, as it's gaining popularity, it'd be interesting to see what effects that will have, you know, sure. with the population at large. Cause like, cause when I moved here, I didn't have many people uh, to draw from. And so um, my kids had friends. So I started, you know, playing with teens and people in their early twenties and 
their idea of gaming was different than my idea of gaming. And so I adjusted my expectations as a GM and, and what I was going to do as a GM. And, and we all had a lot of fun and some, some ways they've changed, some ways I've changed, but you know, it's just, it's kind of amazing that, you know, a lot of these people I know and I really care about, but we don't socialize or talk, but you know, we do get together. We just, we have a lot of laughs and it's just kind of for such a wide group. It's just, it just, I, I just find it just astounding. No, that's the perfect attitude. And I, I wish more people had that because you read so much stuff online where people feel like there's only one way to game. There's only one way to do things. And I, I want to say it was Jolly Blackburn from um, the Knights at the Dinner Table, Kenzer and Company. He said that if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Yeah. And I mean, I heard that and I, I was like, this dude's my hero because that is exactly how I felt all these years. Um, because back in the day, you know, when my red box days with my monster manual, I didn't know the difference between the two. I wasn't playing like it, like I was supposed to be playing. I was just having fun. You know, um, there was times, you know, when, when the other guy didn't have dice and I'd say, all right, we'll flip a coin. If you, you know, if you, <laughs> if you, if you hit heads, you hit, if you, if you hit tails, you miss, you know, it was as simple as that. We were just having fun as, as, you know, these preteens discovering the game and, um, I, that's a great attitude to have, man. I'd I love to hear it. Yeah. And I think in, in going back to the enthusiasm, that's another thing is, you know, we were obviously doing it wrong. It wasn't whatever we were doing was just broken mechanically. It made no sense, but yeah, I kind of would like <laughs> right. to go back and experience that. I don't necessarily want to always play that, but that's just kind of a, you know, a wild time. Well, it's like that too. Like every, you know, is, when you've been gaming uh, as long as guys like you and I have, yeah. Um, you kind of feel like, oh, I've seen it all, I've done it all, yada, yada, yada. Uh, not true. You know, like every once in a while, you'll sit in on a game or you'll have, even with your, like your regular game group, you'll have a really like exciting time where you're like, oh man, like the worm just turned, like something just changed here at the table. There's a real energy here. Yeah, at yeah, yeah. And when it comes along, man, it's like, it's like gold. You know, you just got to grab onto it and ride <laughs> it, you know? <laughs> That's the good stuff. I've had some really because I've been in some random games over at Gamehole Con. I usually pick, usually I pick either games I'm interested in learning or old or old games that I've never got to play or I'd like to play again. And man, sure, it's just kind of funny how you know with that you can, right you can bottle lightning with a certain group of people and it's just uh, it is it is wild but it happens. I mean, when, yeah, I, I love that feeling. One <laughs> guy had me laughing. GM had me laughing so hard. My tear ducts hurt. I was, I, <laughs> I was crying. He was doing a, a, a drugged up dralocyte who obtained cosmic consciousness and was sending us on <laughs> time travel missions. And I just. <laughs> no, man, the weirder, the better. I, I Listen, I, I've, I've been through all the all the Tolkien-ish, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings style adventures that I, I, I really ever want to do. Um, so that's why the weird fantasy, the kind of stuff that I, that I end up writing, um, that's the sort of stuff that really appeals to me as, as a player and as a DM. So when I see a really weird module on the shelf, I snag it, man. Or I see something I just know is going to feel different. Or That's why I liked uh, Through Olten's Door so much. Yeah. You know, it's so different and it doesn't feel, it, the closest thing it feels like is like Planescape, you know, but not exactly, you know, or like uh, Jonathan Newell did that, um, uh, what's the one about the big, the big whale and there's a city inside the whale. I'm trying to think of the name of it. Um, um, 
it was an excellent series of books, but it's about basically a god whale. And then you're in the inside of the whale, and all the adventures take place inside the whale. Oh, wow. It's like, it's like Big Ben or something. I, I'm forgetting the name of it, but um, um, excellent, excellent stuff. It's just so different. And that's that's really what I like, not only what I'm, what I'm looking for, but it's the kind of stuff that I like to write, you know, like real just bizarre, <laughs> kind of off off of uh you know weird fantasy yeah and i suppose like with us it's just right we've we've, we've seen all the tropes it just it, there's a point where some people enjoy that i mean some people always enjoy sure but then there's other people it's kind of like for me it's like music you know um i'm a little bit older than you but it's probably a similar thing it's just people like the songs from the 70s and 80s which i loved but you know i i i really don't need to keep hearing journey and foreigner <laughs> i mean it's okay i loved them they're good but it's like i'm ready for some different experiences <laughs> yeah but every now and then yeah it's now fine now every now and then, it's you fine want to hear them yeah, yeah but because i've i've weaned myself so i'm not listening to it all the time you know like some people do if i was at work i heard the same songs i'd, I'd, I'd mm-hmm. kill myself but yeah i thought all of a sudden it comes on that's fresh again it's, it's it has some freshness you know. But yeah, games are just like music. Whereas, you know, if you don't expose yourself to new music, you're going to end up just listening to the same crap all the time. Yeah. Uh, like for me, for me, it was my my oldest son. He he ended up, you know, exposing me to a whole new generation of of music as he was growing up. So I was finding all these bands that were that were you know that were great and kind of broadening my taste in music. Same with games. You know, like when I hook up with a new group or I meet new people or or whatever, and they expose me to a new game. I'm like, well, this is pretty cool you know like i where, where what was i doing that i couldn't take time to check this game out you know like, yeah and also when you're talking about through talking about it through old hand's door the thing that made me think too is i'll probably never run it but i should and i think if you were to take a game like that which is fantasy but it's it's a different vibe it's weird but it's not weird weird it's more like 19th century weird not yeah. you know 21st century weird it's like you know if i could find a group and say, we're just going to do this. You know, it's like, you could see how as a GM running it, it could rewire your thinking. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of projects out there. Uh, a lot of zines, especially yeah. uh, because they're so easy and cheap to make it fast. Um, that are, you know, that the whole zine scene, they're really bringing, they're coming on strong, man. You're getting all kinds of really cool games. Like, um, you know, I, I, it's not just, you know, centered on zines, but like you get, you get in games like Mothership and Troika and um, even Mork Borg, which I still can't figure out how to play, but man, it looks cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, these, they're, they're cool games, you know, like you, you get them. I don't know. I don't want to play them all the time, but man, um, you know, a couple sessions here and there, and then maybe play some other stuff, come back later. Yeah. It's exactly what, exactly the sort of vibe that I'm looking for, but I can still enjoy going and playing second edition D and D or you know picking up the um uh cyberpunk 2020 rules or mutant future you know any of these old uh, old games you know i can i can still enjoy that because you it really it's there's so many games like the world is our oyster like we can play whatever we want like there's rules for everything well i think also with the internet we now especially covid kind of pushing the whole thing i mean zoom and whatever else the ability to remotely game is there like never before oh totally yeah but i know my group it's it's there's some things i get them to play but there's just a lot of things i would love to play that we we, they never will 
<laughs> no, I think that's the that that is the the DM's burden. It you is. Know, there's always the going to be yes. <laughs> there's always going to be the, you know that there's this cool game, but half your players aren't going to want to play it. And if you do like a little side game, they'll, they'll be like, "Well, you know why why weren't we invited? You know you you, you don't want to get into that. So no. you know it, you read it, you look at it, you like you maybe think about it for a little bit, but then it just never materializes. I mean, I have a. <laughs> 30 games over here that I'd love to play, but I don't have time. Yeah. Ultraviolet Grasslands is top of my list. I'll probably, I don't know. I think I will get to play it eventually run it, but I don't know when. God, it looks so cool. Doesn't it? Oh yeah. It's amazing. And then I, I also did the Kickstarter for the twilight 2000. They haven't pushed the books out. That's a beautiful thing, but I, yeah, all that stuff looks so good. But, Especially that ultraviolet Grasslands stuff, man, that, the, just the art, the, the cover snagged me right away. But then, as you flip it through the book, like it's it's it look it just looks so good, <laughs> you know. Oh, it is. Yeah, no, it, Luca is he's I think one of the most tremendously talented uh, people in the in the uh, in the mar- market in the business, whatever it's he's in. Yeah, because he comes with the skills not only to write but also to do the art, and he marries the two very well. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he's he's a really good follow on Twitter. You know, I don't know if you're on Twitter or not, but he's a really really good follow on there because he's always posting stuff. You know, and he's uh, he's an interesting dude, man. I'd, I'd like to meet that guy one day. Uh, yeah, I followed him on on uh, I was on the Discord server, but Discord is too discordant for me. I just it 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 just it does something to my brain waves and it it makes me crazy. So I can only delve in there. I have to turn all the notifications off and then delve yeah. in on occasion, but. Uh, yeah, he's on there and he, he posts a lot and he is very generous with people's questions. And I wrote an adventure and I just was, didn't know if he knew somebody that could, you know, look it over. He's like, yeah, I'm not doing this weekend. I was like, what? <laughs> and so he looked it over and he gave me some very, uh, some very solid uh, insights on what was, what wasn't good. And uh, which was all very fair. It's just like, oh, that was for somebody that, you know, he's married professional you know running all these projects running a business and still just saying that taking the time to you know to for somebody he doesn't know is really pretty pretty astounding oh no totally i mean especially when you find somebody like that who you know they're already accomplished but then they want to be of service and they want to help others who are kind of coming up the way that they came yeah. up man when you find somebody like that that's just that's that's just a you know, it's, it's pure chef's kiss, you know, just perfect. You know, folks like that are, they're, they're, they're not everywhere. <laughs> no, they're not. And it's, and to be fair, it's like, you know, I don't know if I had all the draws on my time, you know, I don't know how generous I would be. Now, now I, I can, I don't have anything to be generous about. I don't, I don't have anything to, to give, but, but, you know, it's like, but if I did, if people did, I have the time. I'm not like some of these other people who, you know, are dealing with all sorts of stuff and still, you know, that's, that's pretty astounding. You know, um, yeah, listen, I, I try to make myself available um, to not only to, to my, you know, my, my colleagues, but contemporaries, you know, folks, we all help each other out. You know, we, we look over each other's work and, you know, very free with the ideas back and forth. Um, but if uh, literally anybody who DMs me and has a question, I, I almost always try to take that time to, uh, to either answer the question or point them in the right direction. Or if, if I can help them, I will. And you end up meeting a lot of people who you become friends with, you know, and 
it, it, it just grows your, it, 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 what's the term I'm looking for, but it, it grows your, your, uh, your family, your RPG, you know, your group of RPG folks that, that, uh, that you can trust and that you can, you know, that can look over your stuff and can give you advice. And, um, and it's just, it costs you nothing except to be friendly. You know? Yeah, there's a there's a concept that was promoted. I can't remember by who, but it, the idea is called they called it collisions. And for businesses, the idea is you have multiple people. They call it colliding. And the more people you have colliding, the more interactions you have, and more things that potentially could happen. So sure. if you take it in a different way, it's like so the more people you're you're talking to, reaching out to, or the more people you're going to meet, those people. Not necessarily for selfish reasons, but those people could be opportunities for other things later on that you don't know about. You know, it's even like in real life, it's like more people that you know, all of a sudden something comes up and you're like, hey, I need a job. And somebody says, hey, have you tried such and such? You know, I mean, your network has grown in a large way. And I think the same thing with people as we help and discuss and and work together and uh, uplift, uh, it just increases that the number of collisions meaningful collisions that we have and i think yeah my dad was a was it was it was a navy man and he uh he always called it a, a rising tide raises all ships you know yeah yeah he says if you're doing good and you help that guy out and they're doing good well then everybody's doing good you know well i think part of the issue can be is i think it can be easy to become introverted or if you're introverted to stay introverted but i think by getting out there it actually helps in a lot of ways. It's not Absolutely. always for people to, to do that sort of thing. So, you know, for anybody wanting to, you know, like you say, get involved, you know, reach out to you, reach out to other people and start discussing, you know, get on forums and start asking questions and, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. The resources are out there. Um, but more importantly, I have had <clears throat> very few sour interactions um, with the with the hobby you know with folks in the hobby very very few um i've reached out to people who far far above my pay grade as far as the things that they have accomplished or their fame or or um you know their abilities and stuff that way far outstrip myself um and almost to to a man they've all been very very kind and if they didn't have time they would just tell me you know and say well but you know hey maybe try this guy instead um very very few uh, sour interactions um so you know if you're if you're listening and you're one of those people who uh have a question or you don't know like well how do, how do i host uh, my pdfs for my kickstarter or you know how do i how do i figure out my budget for art or you know whatever and reach out <laughs> to somebody you respect and just ask because most of the time they'll help you out yeah, and I think with the growing of the RPG Zing uh, community on Facebook, uh, there is a lot of opportunities. I just I think what I've noticed lately is I think there's fewer people asking than I would have thought, and fewer people like artists coming forward saying, "Hey, I think people maybe are self conscious about it, but that's you know what that RPG Zing community is for on Facebook is to hawk your yeah. wares and hawk your services and to you know and to even put stuff up to, for critique. Mm -hmm. No, I, I love that uh, that Facebook page, man. It's 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 very well ran, and uh, the vibe over there is is, is pretty good. Um, you have a lot of people uh, kind of <clears throat> building each other up and uh, answering questions and being very helpful. It's a very positive uh, online place to be. 
Um, yeah, because as you well know, not every place is like that. You know, <laughs> what? You, <laughs> I log on to log on to some pages, and man, it's just like, what's going on here? I, I got to get out of here. But that 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 page in particular, the RPG uh, Zine page on Facebook, is is a uh, I've got nothing but positive uh, things to say and, and positive results from being a member of it. Yeah, it definitely is a treasure, and I, I just you're right because I've. Yeah, I'm on a bunch of different Facebook, well, not a bunch, but a number of Facebook groups. And you're right. You can see where things just get weird and people can be just be asses for no good reason. You know, yeah. somebody will, will make a, ask a question, a legitimate question. Somebody will just give some smart ass remark. And you're like, <laughs> like, why are you wasting it? You're not that funny. You think you're funny. That's not funny. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yes, yeah, people can be, uh, I don't know if they're intending to be cruel, but sometimes they can, they can be kind of cruel. Um, to you know because you, you never know it might just be some guy logging on for the first time and he really does have some some questions i, I know like when i before i did my first module i had all kinds of questions but luckily i had mentors some people aren't that lucky they don't have those mentors you got to go online and, and and build those relationships and find them so yeah you know. exactly and well this is like an I'm not, i don't have an rv but it's like an rv community you know and somebody will just <laughs> ask a question it's just like what what no, is this perhaps. thing and they're like well it's a you know it's like come on just you're wasting everybody's time. We're not here to, to you know, you to play, you know, junior high uh, uh, comedian because you're really not good at stand up. So just, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of nutty, but people are the way they are. So, so where did you start? So, what was the point where you said, you know what, I want to publish something um, for reals? What was the. Well, I had. Um... Again, it goes back to to my friend and mentor Casey Christopherson. Um, he is he's an art director for Frog God Games. Uh, has written a, a ton of of uh, adventures for them. He wrote that big Megatome um, City of Brass, and he's written some of my of my favorite adventures uh, for them and Necromancer Games and uh, several other game companies. And uh, I was kind of like I, you know I was trying to get my foot in the door. You know I, I you know cold call people or. And my cold call, I mean, cold email or, you know, just oh, yeah. uh, re- reach out to folks. And I'm just getting nowhere. And um, I said to him, I said, hey, I've, I've, I've got this adventure that, I, that I'm writing. Um, do you think you can see if anybody at Frog God thinks that, it, you know, is, is interested? Um, <clears throat> so I, I kind of got shot down a little bit, you know. I mean, they, they, they didn't know me. So before you do that, so <clears throat> what did you have at this point? Yeah, so I had a 16-page module. Okay, you know, so, you, like a, so it was all written up. Yeah, all, everything was good to go. I, I, I submitted a draft, the whole nine yards. Um, and nobody at Frog God knew who I was. They had no idea who, who this guy is, you know. Um, except that Casey was saying, hey, I have this friend, and he, and he can write. You know, he's, he's fairly talented, or I, I think he is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like the way that he writes. Um, I think he would be, you know. But, you know, it's, it's a competitive industry, and, and people – you know, every, everybody's reaching out saying, well, you know, I'm, I've got this friend or I've got this guy. So it just didn't pan out. You know, it wasn't like they were rude or mean or anything. Absolutely the opposite. They were, they were very, very nice. They even offered to buy it, but they said, well, we'll, we're going to have to strip some of this stuff out, out of, you know, out of it to make it more uh, compatible with our, with our brand. And you said, absolutely um, not. I got my artistic integrity and you touch one, one syllable and I walk. <laughs> you didn't say that. No, of course. Not. How dare uh, you touch my work? <laughs> No, no, no. I, it wasn't like I was writing things for after the apocalypse and we were going to put them in the vault, you know. Um, it wasn't Shakespeare. 
Um, so what he told me, he said, Hey, listen, you're in the age of Kickstarter. And I was like, well, what's Kickstarter? First of all, yeah. I'm <laughs> in the age of what now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you can, you can just self publish on your own. Listen, I'll help you. I'll help you kind of, you know, I'll show you how, uh, how I write adventures. Um, I'll put you in contact with some good artists. You know, he's a, he was the art director. So he, he did, he ended up putting me uh, through to, to several great artists, all of whom I still work with to this day. Um, and, you know, he got me some folks that could give me some very good advice. He put me in contact with uh, Matt Finch, uh, who gave me some fantastic advice and just saved me all kinds of money. Um, and just a, a couple other folks, you know, on, on the shipping piece and, and, yeah. you know, and whatnot, and really kind of held my hand through the, the whole process. I, you know, I'd, I'd call him up at, you know, 10 o'clock on a Sunday and be like, oh, my God, man, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in this spot. And he'd be like, calm down. This is what you do. You know, yada, yada, yada. Um, and he was really instrumental in helping me get my first um, module out. So, um, you know, I, I, I get the first module out. I, I, I promote it pretty heavily. Um, and it does it does well. You know, I, I say well. It does uh, well for somebody who has no, no ties in the industry, no, who doesn't know anybody aside from this one guy. And, uh, you know, I, I think enthusiasm and social media presence and stuff helps boost it. Um, but it ended up being, you know, one of, one of our most, you know, um, popular titles. So, you know, that was the start. That was the, and I thought, well, if I could do one, let me, let me do another, you know, and, and I, I did another one pretty, pretty quickly on the heels of that. That was almost twice the size. And, you know, yeah. and then the zines came, then the zine scene started to kind of pop for RPGs. And I was like, well, let me, let me do a couple zines and a couple zines turned into, you know, a half dozen zines and more modules and hard. And I did a hardback and then I started writing for other people and it just kind of, kind of snowballed from there. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, so have you, have you written for frog God games? Have you written for their products? Yeah, so I did. Um, I did about thirty six thousand words on City of Brass, That's which sounds stupid. like a lot. Yeah, until you see City of Brass, which is five hundred pages. You know, so it's just a small little. I'm, I'm basically wetting my beak. Yeah, you know, Kate Casey, who wrote who wrote who wrote the bulk of the text, um, you know, was nice enough to let again let me kind of wet my beak on the on the project and get and get my feet wet. Um, so I did that one. I did some some stuff for uh, Toma Horrors that um, they did. They ended up not using. Um, uh, they didn't use a, a bunch of stuff because it's such a big project. Um, I did a module called "The Horror Out of Hag's Jaw," which was a uh, kind of a Lovecraftian ish uh, hag decrepit village uh, horror module disguised as a fantasy module okay um and that one did pretty good for him on on, on indiegogo um but yeah I, I i maintain a good relationship with those guys um you know zach glazier and, and matt and bill all, all those guys they're 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 really kind uh and good guys that have been very nice to me you know as a as a guy who's kind of coming up through the ranks or whatever they've been really really um kind i can just don't know how to explain to say it other than kind other than saying that you know for guys at their level, they're being very kind with their time and advice. And, um, they're just very friendly. You know, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't ask for a better relationship with those guys. Well, that's neat. That's good to hear. 
You know, and, and, and Tent Car and, and, and Bad Mike, uh, both of those guys are just uh, gems of, of human beings, too. They've, they've been really nice to me as well. So I don't have anything uh, negative to say about, about the frogs, man. They've, they've always been um, good to me. So, yeah. And I think the thing is, is, I mean, they're obviously a, they're a small company and it's just yeah. nice that, you know, but they're still large enough to do things. So it's not, uh, but, Right. And I think that's where a lot of these, you know, I, I would assume probably a lot of other uh, small companies are that same way, but of course there are some that aren't too. It's like, Oh no, for sure. For sure. Uh, with them, like every, every member of their, of their staff that I've, I've had any kind of interaction with, uh, it's always been very, very good. Even if they didn't know like that, I knew the other guys, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like when right. I met Mike, he didn't know that I was Casey's guy, you know? Yeah. Like he, he was still just so nice to me, you know, he gave me some great advice on shipping when I was just a, you know, greenhorn, you know, had no idea what I was, what I was doing. He, I mean, he just, you know, not that I asked him for it. He just said, Hey, listen, I think you could improve if you did ABC. And he was right, you know? And um, he was nice enough to give me that advice, you know, when, when other people, they they would never do that you know um there's again have not had that many bad um interactions with folks in the rpg hobby but th- there have been a, a couple and uh the frogs are not one of them they've, they've been <laughs> yeah. like, they're they're they're, they're right. gems, gems well, that's of, good of human beings. well i mean and the other thing too is you know you'd like to think that you know you know especially people needing content the idea that you can develop people is, is you know, is a, it benefits them as well. I mean, you know, it's just that not every writer is always available to do all these projects. And it's probably also in their benefit to, to make sure that somebody they like they can groom and, and kind of guide and grow into such a way that they can, you know, rely. Cause I'm sure you're not only do you write, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm guessing you're also probably like on time with your writing and, and so forth. I try to be. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I, I haven't had a, uh, I haven't had a late one yet. Um, during COVID I did have a, a, a Kickstarter that was a month late I, and I felt horrible about it until I saw some other Kickstarters that were like a year late, oh, yeah. a year and a half late. And I thought, Oh, maybe I didn't do so bad. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm up at night, you know, like, like losing sleep because I'm you know wondering whether or not this thing's going to ship or they're going to, you know, the, the printing company is actually going to, finally print it you know after i paid them two months ago you know i'm just trying to yeah you know trying trying to make things happen and um turns out probably didn't need to worry so so hard <laughs> no i think people especially kickstarter I, well, I was kind of referring more to frog gods where you're you have assignments but yeah as far as this kickstarter right i think as long as is people as long as you're honest about what's going on nobody i don't want to say nobody really cares but i don't think anybody really cares if you know if your spouse has a heart attack and you've, you got a little bit of depression. You're going to be a few months late and you kind of state that, you know, it's like, okay, you know, but just, Oh no, they were, they were awesome to work with. Like yeah. as far as like uh, the interaction between, um, between the, the people who are calling the shots and then, you know, telling me what I yeah. need to do. It was, it was great. Like I had, I have zero uh, complaints. Um, and if I had more time, if there were two of me, I, I would definitely work with them again. Um, it's just, I've got, you know, I'm I put out seven, kickstarters this year you know like yeah. <laughs> i'm busy yeah that's you know and i've noticed you know you're able to put out a number um tom wilson pronounces his yeah. name right it's like uh i see what tom's doing it's 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 i need to have him on because he's very clever and uh what he's doing as far as 
pretty much doing the whole work himself, buying the stock art and producing zines. He doesn't like necessarily go like gangbusters, but it's like, but his costs are so low that it's actually decent what he's doing as far as you know. Oh, Tom is a super dude, man. He that that he's a he's a great dude, um, and I quite like Back to Basics. Um, before he ran his last Kickstarter, I I ended up buying. I had a brief conversation with him online, and then ended up going back and buying. All, all, all 10 of them, or not 10 of them, I think it was like eight or nine of them at the time um, on, uh, on drive-through. And I was like, oh yeah, this is exactly the BX, you know, BX uh, type of material that I'm looking for, you know, like, uh, so when he did that Kickstarter, it did so well, I was really, really happy for him and uh, looking forward to seeing him at ShireCon actually here uh, next month, about, oh, okay. uh, about a month in Connecticut. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh it's a, uh, so it goes to show that if you are able to, produce uh i think content on a on a on a fairly regular schedule or or rhythm or or sequence or whatever and you you put out good material you you can develop a market of people that that are willing to, to you know if you produce a good kind of people will be there to to be buying it i think the most important thing is just being genuine you know um you know every everybody every uh a company or writer or creator, I should say, has a has their own sort of aesthetic and vibe and the kind of things that they do really, really well. Um, and I think if you're genuine with that content, if if you're not just doing it to make money, if you really enjoy what you're <laughs> writing yeah. and you're you know, the, the stuff that you're putting out is stuff that you would play at, at your own table, um, I think that goes a long way. And people can definitely tell. I know I can tell when I get something like I, it looks really cool in the Kickstarter and then I get it and I'm like, this is a piece of shit. You know, like I, I'm not, I'm not at all like, you know, um, yeah, you know, I've, I've been there. It's things. like, it looks really nice. And I get it and like, wow, I actually tried using this. It's like, yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah it's nothing worse. But then when you, when you do get something and you're like, Oh, this is fantastic. Like I got a, a, a zine. I, I backed it. It was very cheap. Uh, was, I think zine quest two. Um, it was called the bone age. And uh, it had, it was chocked full. Like when, when I backed it, I was like, well, this is, it looks neat. And the, the price point is low enough to where if it's not good, eh, yeah. it won't matter. But then I get it. And it's got this beautiful cover art. It's written wonderfully. It's got interesting tables to roll on. Like it's all there. Everything you need is there. And it's just this cool little, like, I don't know how many pages it was, but it was like more, it's more than 50, you know? And it was, um, it was just an interesting, well done zine. I thought, man, like, I wish more people would, would do this because it's very obvious that the, the writer of this, um, he really loves what he's writing. Like it's, 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 he's very into what he's writing. And the art was great. Uh, it was just a good fusion <clears throat> between the writing and the art because sometimes they don't they don't you know they don't really mix. Right, you'll get an artist who does things one way, and the writing just doesn't hit it well. But this was a great you know fusion mix. Um, so when I see projects like that, I, I get really really stoked. So the newest one that you're putting out there is ray guns and robots. <laughs> right, <laughs> that's a retro sci-fi like atomic sci-fi. Um, like uh, retro future um, zine, you know, all about, like, it really, really comes from like my love of, uh, you know, forties through sixties sci-fi films. Um, I was always a forbidden planet kid. I was always that kid reading famous monsters of film land and picking out the weird space aliens 
or uh, popping open a, 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 an issue of Starlog and, you know, trying to figure out, you know, why, why they're, are they going to, are they going to mention anything about the next film? You know, I was always that kid, you know, like just obsessed with sci-fi when I was growing up. Uh, and my mom, she, you know, she was charter member of the sci-fi book club, you know, so oh, we had really? all the Heinlein. Yeah. We had all the Heinlein. We had all the <sighs> Asimov. I had, you know, we had all the, all the good stuff, you know, Paul Anderson and, um, yeah, you know, just all those great sci-fi writers, man. So that's that was my as far as sci-fi DNA. That's kind of what I came up on was this was you know um, stuff like Forbidden Planet and uh, my, one of my favorites, uh, Plan Nine from Outer Space. But that's a whole nother yeah. discussion about yeah. bad movies. Um, but yeah, I I, I just love that retro, um, you know, ray guns and 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 jetpacks and Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers. I love that whole aesthetic. You know, the idea of the the robots aren't super slick. They're like these boxy robots with like the, the wavy arms and, you know, yeah. all the robots. Yeah. You know, those, those, those old stories, you know, I, I just get so sucked into that. And I love the, the aesthetic of it, you know, the, the, the simplicity, but it's so cool, you know, like no, no genius, uh, no, no scientist is, is, a, is just, a, just a genius. You know, he's either a gadgeteer or a, he's an evil super genius or, you know, and you've got strange aliens and, you know, robot rebellions. And um, as you can tell from my enthusiasm, I get really stoked on this kind of stuff. So um, it was a no brainer for me to make this uh, zine. Yeah. And I think you, you also don't have to necessarily worry about world logic either. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> so, so you're not going to say, okay, I got to develop a culture. I got to develop this. You're like, no, this is, this is a winged monkey with, you know, the tiger's face or baboon's face. And it's, you know, it's got a scorpion tail and, you know, okay. <laughs> no, here's the thing is that I didn't want to make a sci-fi game. That's not what, that's not what Ray Guns and Robots is at all. It's, it's not, it's not a game that you open up and play. It is a, in the same way that like um, the old Arduin grimoires and um, some of the old dragon priest steps, uh, dragon tree press stuff was for fantasy where they would just um, give you a resource for like really cool locations and neat magic items and uh, interesting NPCs and lots and lots of seeds for like cool adventures or things that can happen. That's the same thing I did with uh, Reagan's robots. When you open it up, you're going to get interesting NPCs. You're going to get um, all, all different kinds of, of uh, you know, killer robots and, you know, and the things that uh, um, different planets and societies and um, cool gadgets. But I wanted to make sure specifically that I wasn't repeating a bunch of charts that you would see in, um, not that I'm, I hate charts, but I, I you know, I, you don't, you don't need two, two pages of the zine taken up with a bunch of weapons, you know, a bunch of ray gun blasters right. and, and, you know, um, different ships and stuff, because you already have, if you're a sci-fi fan, you already have that 10 times over. I wanted to give stuff that was interesting that you weren't going to see anywhere else. You know, if there is a whole section on gadgets, but I, I don't remember seeing anything like what's in there anywhere else, you know? So the same with the NPCs, you know, there's a whole section on bad guys and there's a whole section on heroes and there's the whole section on people kind of in the middle, you know, anti-heroes and, and whatnot. And there's a, uh, some interesting, a few small, interesting charts to roll on. I didn't go overboard. Um, but you know, different, like I said, different planets and I'm just chocked full of resources. That was really what I wanted to do with the zine. 
so that you could take it and you could use it with Traveler, you can right. use it with Mothership, or you know any, any of your kind of retro Fantastic Future sci-fi games. You could you could just adapt it, you know, and you don't have to, you know, you don't have to um, uh, you break the bank, you know, with something like this. It's just you you open it up, it's plug and play. Oh, I like the idea that's on page four. Let me just throw that into my game, and it's easy, quick, boom, done. So that you actually get some use out of just rather than just reading it, putting it on your shelf, you actually get some use out of the out of the zine. Right, that's a great idea. So, in your mind, I know you say it's for really, it's not really set for any sort of rule set, but is your mind? Is there something that when you're not saying you're pigeonholing it, but in your mind, what's would be the the rule set that you would use that for? Like, well, the same way that I um, that I approach. The same way that I approach writing an adventure, which is I come up with all the ideas for the adventure first before I ever even crack open a, a rule book or before I ever look at a monster manual or, or uh, you know, what, what could be in the dungeon. I come up yeah. with, with everything first and I find that that's a better it, it's it's it, you get your ideas across better that way rather than so rather than just saying there is a um, there's a gibbering mouther in the old ruined church. I don't, I don't write that. What I write right. first is I go, well, there's a squamous, gelatinous horror in the old ruined church. And then I go and find something that fits that. Right. The cellar is cold. Right. But, but uh, for in, you, in this, if you were to run it, what would you run it with? I guess this would be my question. Oh, I got you. Um, I don't know. That, that Buck Rogers game is, was, was, was kind of interesting. Buck Rogers. The one that came, the one that came out in the 90s, that, 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 uh, <laughs> that Buck Rogers game. Yeah. It had some interesting little – I mean – there's a whole history behind that. As I can tell by your laugh, you understand what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah, exactly. A whole weird history behind that. But that had some really interesting um, rules and concepts to it. Um, but, you know, you, you could use almost anything. Like, you could do GURPS even. You know, you could even go you can go that direction. You could use your, your, your standard OSR rules. You know, you could do like a, like a, like a Space Jammer. You know, like a well, – not Space Jammer, but um, – what is it called? Star Crawl, the Dungeon Crawl Classic Star Crawl. Oh. You, could, you could you could use that. Um, really, anything with a light with light rules. You don't have to do much. You know, you don't have to fudge much. You don't have to come up with much. It's all right there on the page. Yeah. The did you kickstart the Flash Gordon by the the Flash Gordon um, RPG? I didn't, but if I had known about it, I would have. <laughs> yeah, they they're using Savage Worlds. Oh, it's beautiful. It's absolutely Ooh, beautiful. Nice. In fact, the the um, problem is the people I, I came with are just too young to really care it's just like, sure it's like, sure I, I get it but the they actually have a campaign that's actually like you're doing a lot of different things that are kind of fun okay you're at a ball and you got to get this to happen and you got to meet with somebody it's not strictly the you know shooty shooty sneaky sneaky it's it's interacting with different characters, which is really well done. But anyway, you know, you know, Savage Worlds would, it has a number of pulpy kind of things. I think that would probably sure. be, uh, yeah, I, had, I hadn't even thought about that, but that that would that's a good marriage, actually. I haven't revisited Savage Worlds in some time. I need to I need to fix that. I need to find some people playing Savage Worlds. Maybe yeah. A game hall. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. Are you, are you going to be you're going to be a game hall? Yeah, I game hall as a special guest and as a uh, we have a booth in the demo row. Yeah, so. I, I know you guys do, and uh, and so yeah, I'll be I'll actually be visiting you guys. I've I've been doing uh, the uh, torchlight for. Uh, for Eric doing the, the layout for that. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, listen, man, uh, stop by the booth and I'll, uh, I'll hook you up. 
Yeah. Give you, give you some, some, some comp copies. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe one high five. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, no, it's, um, but anyway, yeah. Flash Gordon is good. I think, or the Savage Worlds. The thing I didn't care for is the, is there that target number of four and it's like every four is a raise or something like that. And the math, it, it requires funny math. And I find that the people I've ran, tried running it for, it just, that just, it was, you ever notice how sometimes certain kinds of math people just have problems with, even though it's not necessarily sure. really difficult, but other kinds of math, it's like they don't have problems with. I remember riffs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bypass that whole, uh, the, that whole hot mess myself. I, I kind of wish I had gotten into it because I, I can't, I don't have that shared experience. of uh, Riffs is another one of those campaigns or one of those games where the setting is so much better than the game. You know what I mean? The setting is so rich and so full of lore and so interesting. And they they draw from all these different uh, genres to really make this really cool setting. But then when you get into the rules, they're just so unnecessarily complicated. Yeah, that like Moral Project. Ah. Like probably most, yeah, things well, exactly. that, most things that came out of the 90s or even late 80s, there's just a lot of, like, what are you thinking? So. <laughs> no, I would agree with that. Yeah, and I think... Uh, yeah, I think there was a tendency, you know, even to 3.5 of, you know, I think the idea of rules becoming more, we'll call advanced, it was making more complex. But my goodness, you know, I think we've, I think we've all learned our lesson that this is not the direction to go, you know, for, I guess for some people it is, but it's just like, nobody's got time for that to. No, I'm right there with you, man. Um Circling back to Reagan's robots, did you see the art on that? Yeah, I did. So, so the artist on that, the, he, the, he did the cover, he did a bunch of the interiors, and the art was so good that instead of doing our usual, col- you know, col- color uh, cover and you know, black and white interior, we just went all all color because it's so vibrant and so good. The artist on that is uh, is Ed Bickford. Um, who uh, he's relatively new to the as far as the RPG scene. Um, but he is just knocking off. He's, he works fast. He does great work. And he is just knocking off uh, projects just one after the other. Um, he just did, um, what did he do before? He just did some stuff for uh, uh, Skeeter Green Productions. He did uh, Crypto Codex, where he did a whole, whole, a whole ton of monsters in that. Uh, works really, really fast. He's done a ton of stuff for us. Um, he did our uh, Hills Have Eyes meet... Uh, uh, <laughs> plan nine for outer space mashup adventure. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, in a in occurrence at Howling Crater, he did some great uh, great stuff in that, and he's done most most of the projects I've had since then have had at least one piece of art by by Ed uh, in it. Uh, he did a bunch of stuff for the phylactery. He's done a bunch of covers for me. Uh, he's done, actually done a bunch of stuff that I haven't put out yet. You know that's that you know are for projects that are coming up right. that I can't wait for people to see. But the stuff that he did for Ray Guns and Robots is, it might be the best stuff that he's ever done for, for, as far as Planet X goes, some of the best stuff that he's ever done. It's phenomenal. Well, it definitely Uh, captures the the pulp covers. He really has a grasp on the whole pulp aesthetic Mm -hmm. and and drawing machinery and robots and um, action sequences. Because he comes from the comic book world, you know, so he's used to drawing those dynamic uh covers and action sequences and uh, he just wasn't getting enough traction you know in the in the comic book world and 
um, he, he kind of came over to the dark side and started working with, uh, with, with me and the, the frogs and Jim Wampler and Skeeter and everybody. So, um, he's, he's a rising star. That guy is really, really good. Um, and if he sticks with, uh, with RPGs, man, the sky's a limit because, um, his colors are just beautiful. He's got a, he's got just a great eye for, for how things should look, um, in an illustration, um, I just, I can't say enough good things about him. And, and he's on top of all the talent and all the, and the, the eye for what he's doing. Um, he's just a super, super nice guy, you know, very easy to work with, very agreeable, no ego, extremely um, uh, congenial. Yeah. I thought it was a, a very nice mix, at least looking at the evil robots where they, they both kind <laughs> of have the robot robot look, but yet they're still like, I don't say cartoony, but there's still this kind of fun vibe. Like yes. I'm not stuck with being with physics. I can put a skull inside here and, you yeah. know, turn it into the, then you know, now this is an evil robot. I mean, it's got a skull. It doesn't have, you know, yeah, face. it's very much, very much <laughs> that, that flavor. Uh, the whole project is like that, you know, where it's pretty genre heavy, pretty trope heavy. Honestly, I really lean into the tropes though. So if there, if there's an evil genius, that evil genius is also a monkey uh, and that are a chimp, you know, and then that chimp is actually the first chimp that was shot into space, right. you know, by the Russians. And then uh, not only is he an evil genius, but uh Maybe he was knighted by the queen, you know, or <laughs> who knows? We, we get really, really tropey, you know, with, with the ideas and the, and the details and the lore. And he's a time um, traveler. I mean, he might he might have built his own uh, time traveling device. He yeah. is a super genius. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he might have a drop ship full of robotic monkeys waiting to uh, to land on the planet. That might be in the book. I'm, I'm not saying it is. It might be. <laughs> but buy it and find out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's 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 a uh, it was a real treasure and a real pleasure working with uh, working with Ed. He's 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 a good dude. Well, that's great. That's great. Yeah, it's I think it's hard. I mean, getting connected with artists and and you, it's nice that you've reached a level of success where you can I think go to an artist. Uh, it's just, for a lot of people starting out. It's like that's the hardest. That's the hardest leap. Is I think you know you need you kind of need to product to produce enough money to be able to pay a good artist. And sometimes it's, it's hard to, to start out, but you've worked yourself sure. in a pretty good position where you, you're, you're, you're actually producing regular product, you know what you're expecting. And then you also have, you know, artists that you can pay and work out without having to worry about, you know, stuff. But Yeah. I mean, listen, I, again, I really, all, all the, all credit goes to Casey Christopherson because he really did hold my hand on that first, that first project. And then through that first project, everything else came, you know, he introduced me to a lot of really good, including Ed, you know, he introduced me to Ed. So um, there'd be no Ray Guns and Robots zine coming out if it hadn't been for, you know, that, that handholding and that mentorship at the very beginning of, uh, of, you know, right, right when I started. So. Well, excellent. Excellent. Well, I think that's probably, I think we're hitting the time space continuum, Levi. And I think that's probably a good stop, a good stopping point. Uh, and your Kickstarter is going until when? It goes until the end of the month. It ends on the first. Ends on so, the first. Uh, yeah, I I saw it. And I'm like, wow, this is very cool. And I thought, you know what? This is something I'm kind of think is fun and interesting. And 
And it's like, I better get you on before your Kickstarter is over so that I can add maybe a sale or two. I, well, I appreciate you having me on, man. Uh, <laughs> like you were talking about finding artists is the hardest for some folks. Um, reaching out to be on people's podcasts is, is that's my kryptonite. I, I don't like asking people for things, especially if it's like a cold call. I, I hate it really. Um, so it was very, very generous of you to, uh, to invite me on and um, give me a, a little bit of a platform. And plus it was just a good hang. It was just a good talk. So. Yeah. It, and then that's pretty much, you know, some people have asked and I, I put them on and, uh, but everybody's asked, I've been glad, but, but I usually try and find people that are just, doing something that's fun and interesting, you know, and, uh, and highlight that because I just interested in, I mean, this whole podcast is really just about me, um, talking to interesting people about interesting things. So it's, it's, it's really me. I, this is, this is my excuse to talk to you. It's, this is not my, you know, it's, it's, it's all selfish. I want to talk to people like you. So this is a win for me as well. Well, no, I, I, yeah, I, I really appreciate you having me on, man. All right. We'll have to have you on again, Levi. You take Anytime. care. All right. <laughs>